This is HPR episode 2671 entitled, I'll be farming with the searcher. It is hosted by Mirror Shades and is about 40 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is, the searcher educates us all on the benefits of I'll be farming. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Public Radio. I'm Mirror Shades, and today I've traveled 100 miles below the surface of the earth to the secret layer of Desearcher. And we're going to talk about weird stuff. What would it do? What's, what's the, uh, what are we talking about? I'm guessing we're going to talk about the weird green fluids growing by your window. I gotta be more specific. <laughs> a couple of weird green fluids, but uh, a lot of this is. Nanochloropsis, it's an algae. It's kind of like a, some call it pond scum, but it's not. It's a, it's actually, you know how the oceans are green sometimes? It's that stuff. It uh, has pretty good properties to it. Uh, they use it to, uh, you know, extract uh, carbon dioxide from the air. It's a plant. Um, you know, photosynthesizes. It's green cork and all that. But uh, you can actually grow it for fish food, and it's easy to grow. Uh, you use F2 fertilizer, um, that's just what it's called. Um, some people use Miracle Grow, but it kind of raises questions of what all is in it. Uh, but this stuff is kind of balanced just for algae. They've been using it for 60 something years. Um, through colleges and stuff, and you kind of research talking about algae. He's going to talk about that too. You can get it at like uh, fish supply stores, Amazon. Um, this particular one is a Fritz Pro Aquatics two-part solution. They keep the uh, the organic and non-organic compounds separate, but you mix it up, you shoot it in, and stir it up. Throw some starter in and bubble some air through it. So how much does the F2 cost? Like what does that run you for? Uh, 10 or 20 bucks, but the amount that you use is so minuscule that will last a year, if not more. Uh, Because, let's see, these are, I'm checking the signs. Sixteen fluid ounces uh, per part. That's thirty-two ounces, and the amount that you feed them is going to be a quarter milliliter per feeding, and it's like once a week. No, oh, wow. <laughs> so you you've got some time. Um, 
I just use like syringes you pick up at um, like tractor supply kind of farming shops. Um, and you just measure out a tiny dose. The way I do it, I have uh, uh, soda bottles, uh, two liter soda bottles. I'll rinse them out, you know, make sure they're clean. I actually leave them by the windows with the thought that, uh, you know, they generate ozone, they kind of sterilize it. Um, and then when I'm ready to uh, split the culture, I'll take my, uh, my starter. Uh, originally, I got like a, um, like a 12 ounce starter from uh, another distributor. And, uh, you know, it's real dark green. And then what you do is you, uh, you put it into two different batches. You split it half and half, and then you add uh, salt water saving and add a little bit of uh, F2 and leave it in sunlight and bubble air into it and then it'll darken over the course of about a week and then uh, so in my uh, two liters it starts out you know kind of lower towards the bottom and then I'll double the amount that's in there by just adding more water and it gets darker and I'll double it again so after about two or three doublings, it's a full two liter, and then I'll split it off into another one, so then it's, you know, half and half. And keep doing that, I've got five going right now. Um, they're, let's see, two owns mostly full, and then I've got others that I'm just, the thought is, instead of doubling them up, uh, adding more water, I'm just gonna go for a darker color, so that when I do split it later on, it'll have more of a culture to kind of kind of start off strong. Cool. So, like, to get started, like this setup, what do you think the initial investment cost is? You said it's like twenty, about twenty bucks. Yeah, dollars. ten or twenty dollars for the uh, for the fertilizer, and that's going to last you a long time. Uh, soda bottles. I mean, that's, yeah, we drink soda anyway. You know, just rinse them out real good. Uh, make sure there's no residue or anything. Uh, preferably the clear ones. Uh, you don't want to go for like green or actually green might work because it'll block out the green light, and, which they don't eat anyway. They don't use green light. That's why they're green. Um, you do need uh, an air bubbler, which you go down to any, you know, shopping center that sells, like, you know, pet supplies. If they sell aquarium stuff, they're going to have, uh, essentially, air pumps uh, just to, like, bubble through fish tanks. And you just get one of those. You get the, uh, the tubing that goes with it. I think 25 foot of tube was, like, maybe $8. And... Honestly, I'm probably using only maybe eight foot of that. So I've got backups if I, you know, if they get too dirty, I can just change up to a new one. It's no problem. I do have a splitter attached with a uh, valves on it, so I can, you know, select which one gets more or less uh, bubbles as it needs. Uh, forget how much that was, it's, but I mean, none of this is really super expensive. Uh, then just big bag of salt. 
um, to the ballpark, maybe 50 bucks or something. Ballpark? I'd say right at between 40 and 50. Um, shop around, uh, check online. Uh, a lot of this came from you know, Amazon um, and uh, other parts where we found that it was cheaper to get like at either Walmart or there's a, a um, fish shop that uh, actually had some of the parts real cheap. But what you want to do is uh, get a tube that will fit to the bottom of the two liter. And so that's about foot, two foot, somewhere in through there. Uh, cut your tube section for that. Make sure it hits the bottom. You don't have to put an air stone or anything. You're looking for like large bubbles. Small bubbles will stir it up too much. And they, they don't seem to like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you want to put like cotton or some kind of some kind of wadding, so uh, additional air doesn't get in. You don't get dust particles going into the solution. Some of the cork top off. Yeah, you just kind of want to cork top. Some people will drill out uh, holes in the the cap that normally goes with it. Yeah. And they'll feed it through there, and then they'll like do a sealant with it. Um, that that's fine. I've never needed that. I, I do like the convenience of just being able to uh, take the top off conveniently with uh, just a bit of wadding because once a week I do feed them just with a syringe and uh, every once in a while uh, certain ones they'll, they'll start to separate out. Um, they'll uh, start turning clear then you'll get some particles on the bottom. Those you just shake up and uh, give it a bit more sunlight. It usually happens right after feeding. Uh, they'll get a, they'll kind of shock when you first, uh, when you first feed them. So you have to make sure you're not just putting it right in one spot and not shaking it up. It's actually good to put it in a separate container, kind of dilute it and then add it. So if you're, if you're splitting them, um, you want to actually put the, fertilizer in the secondary batch before you add the, the algae to it. But yeah, uh, as long as you've got, you know, the tubes going in it, bubbling through, uh, you're looking at about three bubbles a second. Um, you can do more or less, just kind of just kind of play with it. Um, you don't want to froth on top, but it's just as long as you're getting the CO2 bubbling through, just air. Or um, you know, the fertilizer like once a week and plenty of sunlight, they they just do well. They thrive. Um, they up, they start to get clear. Why would somebody want to? So what 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 is your purpose here? It's not just like some homemade science experiment. <laughs> like, well, I mean, largely I do like it as a science experiment. Mm-hmm. Some people have house plants. I just have mm-hmm. a beautiful green just <laughs> algae. Uh, it's kind of peaceful to sit out here as I eat my breakfast cereal, just sit there and watch them, ask them how their day is. <laughs> but uh, no, there, there actually is a commercial use for it. Uh, mainly you can sell them back to uh, fish stores because algae is essentially fish food. And uh, depending on what kind of tank setup they have, like if uh, I specifically run for uh, saltwater tanks, so this being phytoplankton, um, is used to feed coat pods, which are zooplankton. And those, in turn, are used to feed corals. 
So, by having a constant supply of uh, phytoplankton to feed coke pods, you can grow corals, which are actually notoriously hard to grow, which means that they're pretty expensive, which is good business. They'll sit there and, as long as I get the, the food stock coming in, uh, they'll grow coral and then split it, and some of some pieces go for a thousand. Uh, between, you know, like 50 bucks and a thousand, depending on the type and variety. Uh, but some people just do that as as their their source of income. They just grow coral. Um, I may have to start growing coral. Yeah, I'm not to that point yet. I'm the still just getting racket. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> day job that. crap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just getting the phytoplankton going because um, you know it started out with my cousin. He's got a uh, saltwater aquarium, so I'm just uh, selling it to him, and uh, he's. Selling the excess to the fish farm, you know, like part of the profit share on that. And uh, we're going to start growing uh, coke pods here in a couple weeks. And then, you know, that's kind of has its own thing. They're grown very much the same way, uh, but you have to monitor different types of bacteria because they they need good bacteria from a, an actual uh, aquarium. Uh, so that process. From my understanding, so you take uh, you take rocks and you put them in the aquarium. You know, fish go around. Over time, the, the rocks will just kind of soak up all the bacteria, and you put those into the coat pods, and it, it kind of creates a more balanced ecosystem. Hmm. Uh, but with the algae, you you start sterile, and then you uh, you just put you know starter packs of algae in there, and then it, they just grow. And uh, you keep splitting them, and doubling them. So that's that's more what I like because uh, as long as you don't have cross contamination, it's just a beautiful green. You know. Uh, also filters the air. It looks looks it looks a bit like Mountain Dew. Yeah. It's flat Mountain Dew. And Except uh, for over there because that one's a little darker. Yeah, that one's that one's been uh, been brewing much longer. That that's the, the color you actually want. It's like that nice dark hue to it. Um, the rest they're uh, they're pretty healthy, but it's they uh, they haven't been going as long. So they they start out you know kind of like a a lighter color, almost uh, how do you describe it? Almost like a seven up, a little darker, or um, yeah, about like Mountain Dew, and then it darkened into like a almost like a caramel apple Gatorade. <laughs> you have yeah. to use soda references because the uh, they're in soda bottles. Yeah, <laughs> and also it tastes like Gatorade because you can in fact drink it. Um, it's actually fairly nutritious. Um, the Jump problem is researchers health tonic. Yeah, on the side of the road. No, it's 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 actual food stuff. It's non-toxic. Um, it's about like a like a tea, uh, you know, kombucha, which is like fermented tea. It's it's about like that. It's not bad. Uh, I do run the saline content a bit high. You're looking at a specific gravity of 
about 120 to 1, or 1.28, or 1.20 to 1.28 is the range that I try to keep it. But uh, I also uh, go a bit high on it because I could always, I could always cut it down with additional water uh, for when, when I, um, I take it over to my cousin. Drop the saline down to match his tape, which is about, he keeps it about 1.22. So uh, for me, it's easier to just add more water than it is to, uh, you know, mix salt up and try to try yeah. to measure it that way. Um, another thing that helps is to have a uh, hydrometer, which is just the one that I have just kind of measures it by. Um, the density as far as like it's got like a floater in it, so as you add water with a bit of saline, the buoyancy will kind of show you right where it's at. And those aren't expensive at all. And they sell those at homebrew stores. Yeah. <laughs> so said the guy who makes his own beer from time to time. Oh, yeah. I don't have a hydrometer though, it's sad. <laughs> like I don't care there's alcohol in it. I'd like to get those big uh, big carboil. What carboil? Carboys, carboys, something. Carboy. Oh yeah, yeah, big glass. Uh, yeah, yeah carboy. Yeah. Get those to uh, to grow some phyto with. Because right now it's like each bottle is like two liters. So. Um, you just ramp up your amount you're making. Yeah. Yeah, you can get those. You can buy those at homebrew stores. They sell a lot of people buy them for beer and wine making. Mm -hmm. So they're like I don't remember. I want to say they're like five gallons or something. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah, five. That's. Yeah, you can get different sizes, I believe. You can order them off Amazon too, but I imagine the shipping on that's going to be pretty high because they're heavy and yeah. they're also glass. Yeah. <laughs> Might not be. Marcus Fred will come shards. But yeah, like uh, from a monetary aspect, <laughs> the the starter uh, for like 16 ounces is like 20 bucks for two of them, so it's like, I guess, 32 or. 12 or 16. But yeah, I think like uh, for 24 is like 24 ounces is like 20 bucks. Jeez, but uh, to buy them out of the, uh, the the aquarium shop that I'm you know selling to, they're selling like seven ounce bottles for like between seven and ten, really. So, I mean, if you're looking like a, a dollar an ounce, something like that, just depending on who you, who you talk to and all that. So, and it, you just sit it next to the window and it grows as long as you have uh, plenty of light, so. And I'll take, here in a minute, if you don't care, I'll, I'll snap a picture of yourself. Oh, yeah. And then I'll stick that in the show notes. So oh, yeah. And, you know, be sure to get, you know, the, the bowling system just to, mm -hmm. but yeah, it doesn't take much to set up. They're just kind of beautiful to watch. And then, oh good. Is there, is there specific use for the Gatorade bottles, or are they just going to be uh <laughs> Well, the thought is, um, you know, because I've built like, all kinds of bottles, just when you're, when you're growing stuff in bottles, you just kind of hang on to them just in case. The thought was I was going to uh, have those as, like, starters. So I was going to, like, pour off some just to kind of keep them handy, because you, you want to keep a... Uh, a few small samples in the fridge, just in case, for whatever reason, you get what's called a culture crash, where it turns 
yellow and clear and separates out and it basically just dies on you. That can happen. Um, it can happen for different reasons and that's kind of like the, the risk involved is to try to make sure that everything's in balance. But as long as you're just not doing anything wild and crazy with it, it should be fine. But if for whatever reason they do crash, you've got backups in the fridge because they'll, they'll keep. They'll, I've got some in there for the past month and they they, they start to clear up a bit, but you just shake them up and they're, they're good to go. They're just kind of in hibernation. But uh, this one right here, actually, uh, well, actually both of these, I had in uh, the fridge for about a week. And then I put them back on to see if I could darken them up a bit. Because once, uh, once this other one started getting real dark, I kind of moved the, the go post on how I want them. Because the darker you can get them, the easier it is to split them, the more lucrative it is to some of the fish towards because they want that darker color. It means it's, it's um, more potent. Um, the guy that I'm talking to now, the uh, the other guy that he gets this from is it's real clear. They're not doing a, a good a good count with theirs. They're pretty much just diluting the product down to nothing and then trying to pass it off. So we're uh, we're going for a better product. So he'll essentially come come to us. So it's a bit of a cutthroat industry. When you're selling those, do you like? I guess do you just taking them up to the aquarium store and the soda bottles and be like, here you go. Oh, <laughs> one of them, yeah. What I'll do is I'll take the two liter over to my cousin's house, and he's got a deal where uh, he he can actually get empty bottles with a label. And he'll re-bottle them in like smaller versions. So like his is like 12 ounce bottles, and we'll sell that to the store. Uh, the two stores that we talked to, one of them they want the pretty labels on it. You know, their thing you know, look real nice. And uh, so that's mostly who we're trying to piece with the labels and stuff. The other one, we essentially the same bottles, but we don't have to put the labels on them. We often do just to make it look nicer, but. Um, he's actually been known to just sell them out of like milk drugs, so. Not a lot of regulation on that then. There's it. really not. <laughs> I mean, it's just stuff that's growing out of people's houses. So, so you don't have to like, you don't have to show proofs of any sort of like. No. Quantitative, like this is how much algae is in the fluid. No, and that's, mm -hmm. that's something I do want to address because uh, I do have a microscope. And the, the thought is you can get a, uh, a graduated slide, you know, it's uh, marked off in like 10 nanometer, like a little grid, and you'll uh, you'll put a sample on there and you'll, you'll look at it and you'll do like a, a randomized count of like so many grids, you can sit there and just manually count them and then uh, there's like equations to kind of figure out how much, you know, parts per million the sample is. And you, you kind of want to keep it consistent that way. The microscope I have doesn't get quite as uh, focused as it needs to be. I mean, the one I have is seriously came up from the 80s. It's like <laughs> one of my first Christmases. They're just like, yeah, we got you a microscope. I'm like, I'm like four, but okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's, they've been some improvements since mm -hmm. So I want to get a better microscope so I can actually do uh, more accurate counts. But right now we're just going by the color standard, which is like if it looks like a dark green, uh, if it looks like a you know, a dark leaf. Um, it's kind of what you're going for, just like 
the, the colored grass. But um, yeah, so many people's just like selling like something that just looks like blackened seawater, and it's just like mm. not, <laughs> not even really green at all. And uh, we're we're trying to do a little better than that. But yeah, there's a there's some initiatives trying to increase the phytoplankton population down in the, like the tropics because just through like uh, you know different things like uh, just general pollution, the population of phytoplankton is diminished, and then that kind of causes problems with like food chain, you know, uh, carbon. It doesn't suck out as, the, as much carbon, so it's basically what's saying it's deforestation, but it's you know an ocean, and that's something we don't often think about. And depending on the articles you read, something like 60% of our uh, carbon cycle is actually through the ocean. Yeah, I read, I was gonna say, I read that somewhere, there's like uh, the, the breathable air we get is more dependent on the ocean than the, even the rainforest. Because you know, when we were kids growing up, that's what they found. Yeah, they don't the rainforest, the rainforest. Don't cut down the trees. Yeah. And, uh, but now we're saying that it's actually more, more into the ocean. And, uh, you know, it, just, it has like far-reaching effects. So, you know, just kind of, you know, grow, grow some algae, mm -hmm. just, uh, just for the benefit of all. Anything else you want to cover? Um, now we can talk about the different types. There's, um, you don't just want to go out and like, scoop up the algae and then try to cook <laughs> well, it. Why not? <laughs> uh, some algae is pretty toxic. Um, specifically, just pretty much any kind of pond scum you, you want to avoid. I mean, yeah, it probably looks you know nice, pretty green, maybe some brown, but it's uh, you don't you don't want that. Um, this is specifically a nanoporopsis, and it's. Uh, it's non-toxic, it's, you know, just, it's all around, it's good, hearty kind of algae, it grows real, real good, really well. Uh, there's another strand that does pretty well, I think it's, uh, I'm gonna mess up the names, Spyro something, Google it. <laughs> but um, that was an yeah. algae that's uh, been known to do pretty well. I think they use that food additive, maybe they extract sugars from it. No, not too sure. Um, there's some research uh, using algae as uh, biofuel. So you hear stories where people can run their, you know, diesel truck off of uh, French fry grease. Well, you could also technically run it on algae. There's a reduction process, and you don't just want to like put salt water in. <laughs> but you basically you get the you get the actual algae mass. You dewater it. And then there may be an additional process as far as like stripping cell walls and just going for the lipids. But people do make um, combustible oil from from algae. So that's something that a lot of people are experimenting with now, and that's what I'd like to get into. But right now I'm just uh, you know getting the process going and you know making sure I can get a nice dark color, increase the, the amount. Starting from 12 ounces, I've probably got. Uh, three or four liters. Well, no, um, six or seven liters right there, probably. Rough estimate. So, the the goal is to have uh, a gallon that I can just, uh, in addition, just what I'm what I'm growing. Because uh, right now I'm just doubling it up. I've got one I can go sell right now, uh, but I've been trying to. 
instead of just doing one bottle at a time and you know selling you know, the split, I'm trying to have a full a full rack in constant production. So I've been uh, holding on to more instead of selling them off. And then once I got my numbers up, I'd like to switch over to the the uh, the larger glass jugs and you know start doing gallons at a time. But stuff to look forward to in the future. How'd you get the initial culture or whatever that you used to? Uh, Amazon. Oh, really? You ignored that off Amazon? Uh, it's, you gotta adjust your search term. You can look for phytoplankton and find it, but uh, nanochloropsis with an um, A-N-O chloropsis. <laughs> yeah. C-H-L-O-R Yes. Uh, yes. Poor spelling is a sign of high. Google will correct <laughs> you and correct me. But um, yeah, you can find a lot of distributors on uh, Amazon. Um, I'd like to get to the point where I can just like you know sell my own on Amazon. But I've got a pretty much a good distribution uh, just through my cousin and their contacts with the, the fish shop. So well, I guess we can. Uh, Later, you can shoot me an email with some links. I'll throw those in the yeah. show notes. We can do like, oh, yeah. probably, probably do like the Amazon stuff that you can buy. And maybe a Wikipedia link. I don't know. We'll find something to put in there. Yeah, that's well, informative. I'll forward over some some knowledge about it. We'll, we'll throw all that in the show notes. Yeah, they taste about like uh, like Gatorade, just from all the the salt. I don't believe you. <laughs> I mean, we, we can, we can, uh, we can no, have some okay. uh, over at post. <laughs> I think, uh, is it like some kind of algae or yeast based spread of Vegemite? Is, it, is that like a yeast yeah. or is that like an algae or? Something. Something like that. <laughs> some kind of, we can find out. It's 2018. If only there was this, this thing where we could just, you know, search for, for, we could, we could Google it, Bing it, or Yahoo, or Webcrawler. Ask Jeeves next time you see Jeeves. Go ahead and ask him to answer a question. I kind of miss Ask Jeeves, really. Yeah. There's a lot of Easter eggs, too. You could, uh, you could ask his thoughts on other search engines. So you might be interested to know that our far-reaching supercomputer system that I pulled from my pocket says that Vegemite is one of several yeast extract spreads. So, so take Vegemite, put it in a jug, and you can culture <laughs> essentially beer at that point. Vegemite-based beer. Yeah. Beer is an interesting topic of its own. Um, there's a uh, so it's an important staple item. A lot of people don't realize this. This is kind of funny, a little off topic, but like historically, the archaeologists used to believe that human beings first began in the culture of grains to make bread, when in fact now it looks like they may have done it to make beer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it was a uh, it was a very sustaining. And of course, ancient beer was thick and porridgey, not like the beer we drink today. But it's uh, unfiltered and unpasteurized. It has a lot of vitamins and crap in it that gets lost in that process. 
Because I, I can totally see that, like, uh, as far as, like, oats, like, oatmeal probably came first. You know, just uh, people just eating, you know, essentially, grass at this point. I would imagine, too, some of this was accidental because they don't have any way of preserving it, so it's going to ferment naturally. Oh, yeah, it, exactly. It's, uh, yeah, so they're just eating, like, <laughs> these, like, raw grains, and then somebody's like, well, I add a bit of water to it, you know. They'll leave it out, and it kind of, like, you know, kind of ferments a little bit, and they're like, I kind of like it that way. And then eventually they're just, you know, they're just doing it for like, you know, the actual beer and stuff. Um, and then, you know, at some point later on, like, if you look at it, making bread is kind of a fermentation process. It's kind of about the same, but it's more, it's like solid instead of liquid. And for those of you who do not have the benefit of having worked in a pizza place, like we have, yeah. when the dough starts to get old, it smells like beer, does it, it does. not? <laughs> it really does. And, uh, I remember we would have to throw it away like at a certain point and then somebody would make too much. Do you remember those days? We'd have an entire like 55 gallon <laughs> like, garbage can full of dough. You'd throw it out in the dumpster and go back later and throw out the cardboard and it would just like hit you right in the face and you feel drunk just by just by opening it up. It was, it was so heavy too. Like we had to. Oh man, it took like two people to lift that thing up. Oh, those are the days. The burkle. <laughs> like why is it called that? That's just what it's called. The burkle. <laughs> All right. Actually, the brand I think was the brand of the dough mixer was burkle. They call it the burkle. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the dome? No, it's the Merkel one. Right. I haven't heard that in years. Yeah, you learn something new every day working at pizza places. You really do. It was an interesting cross-section of human culture that would come in there um, because you would have the really poor, really, really poor people that are looking for a cheap way to feed their family, and then you have the rich people who are skin flints that don't want yeah. So everybody came in and bought this cheap, crappy pizza. And I was, I was kind of considered pizza to be more of a luxury than, than a staple, but uh, you, you work for a brand that their pride and joy is the cheapest pizza in town. And you, yeah. We won't mention their name because we're professionals, but uh, it's very Romanesque. <laughs> There's a reason Brutus got to stab me. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, beer, algae beer and pizza. Actually, <laughs> all important. Now that you figure out how to make an algae-based beer, I'm sure it's, I don't know if it would come up, come out to be beer. I don't know what the dividing line, that's, that's another thing I should probably mention. Like, the weird thing is, is like, you know, typically we associate wine with, you know, finery and, yeah. and, and snooty people and beer with being like the low class, low brow, like commoners drink or whatever. But the funny thing is, is beer is actually harder to produce than wine mm -hmm. and it's more complex and it has a more complex flavor profile than wine does. Wine is just fermented fruit juice, basically, and, yeah. and beer is a whole bunch of crap that is very hard to... I'm not going to go into it here because it wouldn't make an entire episode of it. Oh, well, yeah, like with the, the mm -hmm. hops and stuff, like people always forget the hops. Yeah. Or it's like, oh, it's, it's basically wheat and rye, you know. But, uh, yeah, the hops, it's, the funny thing is, you know they're actually in the same classification as, like, you know, cannabis 
Uh, it's basically the same family of plants. And if you like see pictures of them harvesting, you're like, that's. <laughs> yeah, that, I can see that. It's uh, it's interesting. The uh, the wart. They make the wart out of uh, whatever that stuff is. Like my brain, my whole brain's not working. Having a brain fart, but um, it's they uh, boil that crap down to make the, get the mm-hmm. sugar out of it. Whatever it is, brain's not working. But uh, like mash. <clears throat> yeah, it's well, it's mash is in uh, whiskey, and yeah. uh, it's called a wart beer. It's the same. I guess principle, and then hops. There's like two different kinds of hops, and they can be added in different parts of the beer making process, which is a little bit more complicated than yeah. Wine is super easy. You just throw some fruit juice and water and a big jug with some uh, some yeast, mm-hmm. and make sure it's got a um, I mean, it's for the, the CO2 to escape, and you're, you're, you're good. And the, the weird thing mm-hmm. is, like, there's not really a lot of variety in wines. Like, you have, like, you know, Chardonnays and, like, Bernard's and Marlowe's and, you know, Champagne's and things like that. But it's, like, from my understanding, a lot of those names are just kind of, like, where they were originally grown. Like, it's like saying, like, hey, I want some West Coast versus mm-hmm. East Coast kind of stuff. I like, uh, but like the recipe's still essentially the same. Yeah, like, with beers, I mean, you could have a base out of oats, or you can have a base out of like uh, wheat, or yeah, uh, yeah. There's there's different kinds. There's like stouts and ales, and uh, the thing that different. I didn't know this, but the thing that differentiates like an ale from a lager has to do with the yeast that they used to ferment with, mm-hmm. and whether it's on the top or the bottom. Um, I was like quarter. Yeah. Just a real kind of dark. Yeah, really like stouts are like that. Stouts. Um, I love a piece of Guinness. Yeah. Um, a lot of the darker color on that, I think they, they roast the hops, so give them a nice little flavor to it. The lighter beers too, but it just depends. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big, like right now, IPA is this really popular thing, and I yeah. just don't like it. I don't, I don't like bittering hops at the end. It's, it mm-hmm. makes it, it's what gives it that really bitter flavor. It's just which is weird because you'd think I'd like the bitter flavor because I'd like stouts, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand it either. It's just the, what I the like. The thing is, stouts like if they're really done right, like you don't you don't taste the bitter. Yeah, it 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 like tastes dark but not bitter, and that's kind of hard. It's hard to describe yeah. flavors really. But. There's a uh, it's weird too. Um, if you take a Guinness, like I I like the extra stouts better than mm-hmm. the stout. Because to me, the, st- the regular stout tastes a little flat, and uh, if you get the extra stouts and uh, and pour them into a glass, because I don't know what it is, I, th- I suspect it has something to do with the way it washes back over the yeah. the whole tongue and it gets all the taste buds. But I could be completely wrong about that. I don't know, but it does seem to change the flavor profile for it into a glass as opposed to try to drink it out of the bottle. Um, well, a lot of our Flavor comes through our sense of smell, rather than you know. So you drink beer and it tastes bitter, but like unless you're actually able to smell it, you don't get the full effect to it. And some say that depending on the shape of the glass, it's going to affect it. Like uh, if you can get your toes in there. Yeah. Well, there's there's one. It was fancy beer. It was like Hogarden or something like that. 
And it was like, uh, it had this weird floral bouquet to it. Like, it, it smelled of flowers. And they suggested putting it in like a hexagonal glass so when you kind of, you know, sift it, kind of stir it around, it creates like these vortexes off like the sides of the glass. It really stirs up the bouquet. And it's just like, you know, when you're drinking a beer that they, they recommend, you know, what shape of glass, you know, you know you're going to pop up with some fancy It's <laughs> a pretentious yeah. beer. Good stuff, though. All right. Maybe we should, I don't know where we're at. We're at the 40-minute mark. We should probably call it a day. <laughs> Laters. I mean, I could talk about, uh, talk about uh, open source projects, <laughs> but you may want to split it into a separate file. Open source beer. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.